Chapter thirty two of Bunyip Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bunyip Land by George Manville Finn. Chapter thirty two. How we heard a black discussion and did not understand. The rescue party consisted of the doctor, Ti-Hi, and myself, with Jimmy for guide. Jack Penny was to take command of the cave, and be ready to defend it and help us if attacked or we were pursued. At the same time, he was to have the bearers and everything in readiness for an immediate start, in case we decided to continue our flight. "'I think that's all we can say, Penny.' said the doctor in a low, grave voice as we stood ready to start. Everything must depend on the prisoners. Now be firm and watchful. Good-bye. I shan't go to sleep, said Jack Penny. I say, though, hadn't you better take Jip? Yes, yes, take Jip, I said. He knows the way so well. Jimmy know a way so well, too, said the black. No take a dog, Jip but we decided to take the dog, and creeping down into the bed of the rivulet, we stood in the darkness, listening, shut in, as it were, by the deep silence. Forward, Jimmy, said the doctor, and his voice sounded hollow and strange. Jip uttered a whine. That dog had been so well trained that he rarely barked. Ran quickly up the further bank of the rivulet. Jimmy trotted after him, waddy in hand. The doctor went next. I followed, and Ti-Hi brought up the rear. One minute the stars were shining brightly over us, the next we were under the great forest trees, and the darkness was intense. "'Keep close to me, my lad,' the doctor whispered, and I followed him by the ear more than by the eye. But somehow the task grew easier as we went on, and I did not once come in contact with a tree." By the way Jip took us, I don't suppose it was more than six miles to the savages' village, and though we naturally went rather slowly, the excitement I felt was so great that it seemed a very little while before Jimmy stopped short to listen. "'Hear em, talk em, talk em,' he whispered. We could neither of us hear a sound, but I had great faith in Jimmy's hearing, for in old times he had given me some remarkable instances of the acuteness of this sense. "'Jimmy, go first, see,' he whispered, and the next minute we knew that we were alone with Ti-Hi, Jimmy and the dog having gone on to scout. "'I detest having to depend upon a savage,' muttered the doctor. "'It seems so degrading to a civilized man. "'But they hear and see better than we do.' Yes, he said, it is so. There we waited in that dense blackness beneath the trees, listening to the faintest sound, till quite an hour had elapsed, and we were burning to go on, when all at once Ti-Hi, who was behind us, uttered a faint hiss, and as we turned sharply a familiar voice said, All right, ums, Jimmy been round round, find em Mass Joe fodder. "'You have found him?' I cried. "'Not talk shadow so,' whispered Jimmy. "'Black fellow come.' "'But have you found him?' I whispered. 
going a find em all soon enough, he replied coolly. Come long now. He struck off to the right, and we followed, going each moment more cautiously, for we soon heard a busy hum of many voices, a hum which soon after developed into a loud chatter with occasional angry outbursts, as if something were being discussed. Jimmy went on, Jip keeping close to his heels now, as if he quite understood the importance of not being seen. We had left the dense forest and were walking in a more open part among tall trees, beneath which it was black as ever, but outside the stars shone brilliantly, and it was comparatively light. The voices seemed so near now that I thought we were going too far, and just then Jimmy raised his hand and stopped us, before what seemed to be a patch of black darkness, and I found that we were in the shadow cast by a long hut whose back was within a yard or so of our feet. Jimmy placed his lips close to my ear, then to the doctor's, and to each of us he whispered, Soon go sleep sleep. Find Mass Joe fodder and go away fast. All top here Jimmy go see. I quite shared with the doctor the feeling of helpless annoyance at having to depend so much on the black, but I felt that he was far better able to carry out this task than we were, so stood listening to the buzz of voices that seemed now to arise on every hand. From where we stood we could see a group of the savages standing not thirty yards from us, their presence being first made plain by their eager talking, and I pressed the doctor's arm and pointed. Yes, he whispered, but we are in the shadow. From huts to right and left we could hear talking, but that in front of us was silent, and I began wondering whether it was the one that had been my prison. But it was impossible to tell. Everything seemed so different by the faint light cast by the stars. I could not even make out the tree where Jimmy had been tied. All at once a sensation as of panic seized me, for the group of blacks set up a loud shout and came running towards where we were. I was sure they saw us, and with a word of warning to the doctor I turned and should have fled, but for two hands that were laid upon my shoulders pressing me down, the doctor crouching likewise. At first I thought it was Jimmy, but turning my head I found that it was Ti-Hi, whose hand now moved from my shoulder to my lips. I drew a breath full of relief the next moment, for in place of dashing down upon us the blacks rushed into the hut behind which we were standing, crowding it, and there was nothing now but a wall of dried and interwoven palm leaves between us and our fierce enemies. Here a loud altercation seemed to ensue, angry voices being heard, and several times over I thought there was going to be a fight. I could not comprehend a word, but the tones of voices were unmistakably those of angry men, and it was easy to tell where one left off and another began. We dared not stir, for now it seemed to be so light that if we moved from the shadow of the hut we should be seen, while the fact of one of us stepping on a dead twig and making it snap would be enough to bring half the village upon us at a time when we wanted to employ strategy and not force. 
The burst of talking in the hut ended all at once, and there was a dead silence, as if those within were listening intently. We held our breath and listened too, trembling with excitement, for all at once we heard a voice utter a few words, and then there was a faint sound of rustling, with a cracking noise made by a joint, as if someone had risen to a standing position. Were the savages coming round to our side and about to leap upon us? Perhaps they were even then stealing from both ends, and my heart in the terrible excitement kept on a heavy, dull throb which seemed to beat right up into my throat. The moments passed away, though, and at last I began to breathe more freely. It was evident that the savages had quitted the hut. In this belief I laid my hand upon the doctor's arm, and was about to speak when close by us, as it seemed, but really from within the wall of the hut, there came the low muttering of a voice, and I knew that someone had been left behind. The doctor pressed my hand, and I shivered as I felt how narrow an escape we had had. We wanted, of course, to move, but it seemed impossible, so we stayed, waiting to see if the black had made any discovery. After what seemed to me an interminable time, I heard a slight rustling sound, and almost at the same moment there was a hand upon my arm, and directly after a warm pair of lips upon my ear. Jimmy, no find em fodder yet. Take em out of place, place, put em somewhere. No, no, tell. I placed my lips to his ear in turn, and whispered that there was someone left in the hut. Jimmy, go see, he said softly, and before I could stay him, he was gone. What is it? whispered the doctor, and I told him. The doctor drew his pistol. I heard him in the darkness, and grasped my arm as if to be ready for flight. But just then I heard a voice in the hut which made me start with joy. Then there was a rustling sound, and Jimmy came round the corner of the hut. All right, ums, he whispered find somebody's fodder. You here again, my boy, whispered a familiar voice. Yes, I said, catching the speaker's arm, and then, Doctor, I said, this is the prisoner who saved me, and set Jimmy free. Doctor, said the poor fellow in a low puzzled voice, as if his mind were wandering. Yes, I am the doctor. They made me their doctor when the fever, when... "'Oh, my boy, my boy, why did you come back?' he cried excitedly, as if his brain were once more clear. "'To fetch you and the other prisoner,' I said. "'Mr. Carstairs,' he said earnestly. "'Hush, hush, they're coming back. To kill me, perhaps. I must go.' He slipped away from us before we could stop him, and while we were debating as to whether we had not better rush in and fight in his defense, the savages crowded into the hut and once more there was a loud buzz of voices. These were checked by one deeper, slower, and more stern than the others, which were silenced, and after a minute or two we heard our friend the Englishman respond in a deprecating voice and apparently plead for mercy. Then the chief savage spoke again in stern tones. There was a buzz of voices once more, 
and the savages seemed to file out and cross the opening toward the other side of the village. We dared not move, but remained there, listening, not knowing but that a guard might have been left. But at the end of a minute or two our friend was back at our side to say excitedly, I want to help you, but my head... I forget. I I cannot speak sometimes. I cannot think. It, It is all dark here, here, in my mind. Why have you come? We are friends, said the doctor. Where is Mr. Carstairs? Carstairs? Mr. Carstairs. Oh, he began to speak volubly in the savage tongue now, tantalizing me so that I grasped his arm, exclaiming fiercely, Speak English! Where is my father? I could hardly see his face, but there was light enough to tell that he turned towards me, and he stopped speaking, and seemed to be endeavoring to comprehend what I said. My father, the prisoner, I said again, with my lips now to his ear. Prisoner? Yes, at the great hut, the chief's hut. He began speaking again, volubly, and then stopped and bent his head. "'At the chief's hut,' said the doctor excitedly. "'Wait a moment or two to give him time to collect himself, then ask him again.' The poor dazed creature turned to the doctor now and bent towards him, holding him by the arm this time. "'Chief's hut?' "'Yes, right across, right there.' He pointed in the direction the savages seemed to have taken, and from whence we could hear the voices rising and falling in busy speech. My heart leaped, for we knew now definitely where he whom we sought was kept, and the longing, impatient sensation there came upon me to be face to face with him was so strong I could hardly contain myself. "'Let us get round there at once,' I whispered. "'Here, Jimmy.' There was no answer." Jimmy had crept away. End of chapter 32 How We Heard a Black Discussion and Did Not Understand